Chilling greetings, everybody. Thanks for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. Those awesome tunes that you just heard are, as always, courtesy of the lovely Bobby Mackey, and I, of course, am your host, Tessa Morrow. Hoping everybody survived Friday the 13th. coast of New Hampshire and Maine are nine islands and a number of ledges that have been inhabited for well over 400 years. And it starts off as a fishing community. Smutty Nose, Appledore, and Star. They form a harbor that's protected from the north, the south, and the east. Now Smutty Nose and Appledore, Appledore, right? Doesn't that kind of sound like it should be like Lord of the Rings? Appledore, go get that, whatever. (laughs) Uh, Okay, too much fun. Anyways, so Smutty Nose and Appledore, they are located in Maine, while Star, well, that's in New Hampshire. Now today, I want to discuss the Smutty Nose Island and a tragic event that took place there that will forever plague the island. Smutty Nose is about 27 acres and it's six miles off the coast of New Hampshire and seven miles off the coast of Maine. Now, back in the earlier part of the 1870s, a couple named Marin and John Hontbet lived on the island. And you guys, they were the sole residents who lived here on Smutty Nose. Well, one day a German fisherman by the name of Louis Wagner, he approaches Smutty Nose. He strikes up a conversation with Marin and John, and eventually, after some time, a friendship takes place. Well, the couple, they eventually agree to hire the fisherman on, and he ends up moving into their home. So now the island with two inhabitants now becomes three. And not too long after Lewis moves in, even more people decide to come. Marin's sister, Karen Christensen, moves in, and guess what? It's a total family affair, as then her brother and sister-in-law, Anna Faye, they also come and they end up staying. Soon the Hontvet house is a full house. And considering it was just two people on the island, and now there's several, what a big difference, right? The more the merrier. Or, mm, maybe not. Lewis does end up moving back to the mainland to find work. Now, I'm unsure if the house just got too crowded or if maybe he overstayed his welcome or if there was another type of problem, but he ends up leaving. Don't know if it was on good terms or bad. And in the job department, he proves to be quite unsuccessful. Instead of going back with his tail between his legs to smutty nose to ask for his job back, he comes up with this devious plan. He's going back to Smutty Island But not to ask for his job back, he is going with pure intentions on robbing the home that he once considered his home. He knew the schedules for the folks pretty well, and he knew that Marin's husband and brother would be off the island. 
So one day he travels close to the 12 miles via boat, which later would be found out that was stolen. No shocker there. And he goes up to the island and to the house. The house is silent. All three of the women, they're sleeping. I'm sure they laid their heads on their pillows that night with full hopes and intentions on waking up peacefully the next morning. But no such luck. Lewis, obviously knowing the layout of the house, walks in, makes himself at home, starts taking things that doesn't belong to him. While he is in the process of the whole breaking and entering thing, Marin's sister, Karen, she wakes up. Well, sadly, a fight takes place. And instead of Lewis just running away, he ends up strangling Karen. And at some point, he ends up murdering the woman's sister-in-law, Anna Faye, with a deadly blow to the head via an axe. What was soon a truly peaceful island was soon drenched in total chaos. How could this be? Marin, she's absolutely distraught. I mean, who wouldn't be? Seriously. She manages to escape the home. Now, mind you, it's freezing temperatures outside. She manages to hide under a rock on the coastline of Smutty Nose, her island. Her home! Lewis, the former employee and friend turned burglar and murderer, desperately searches the island for Marin, the sole survivor. He's furious that she was able to escape. How dare her? In his mind, he simply cannot leave behind a witness. She could identify him. I know that dude. It's Lewis Wagner. She knew who he was, and she saw him. Even with his extensive search of smutty nose, he could not find the missing woman anywhere. Thank God. He makes his way back to the house and he damn well knows that the two men, they're gone, and that the two out of the three women, they're dead. With the third woman, nowhere to be seen. Hopefully with his luck, she fell in the water and drowned. He's in no serious rush to leave, in other words. Hell, he even enjoys a cup of coffee. Now, it is during this time that he leaves behind crucial evidence. Bloody handprints and bloody boot prints. The following morning comes, and Marin, she feels confident enough to finally leave her hiding place. I can only imagine what went through her mind as she was hiding from this murderous man who she once considered a friend. Her sister and sister-in-law, both brutally murdered. I just, I can't even imagine what this poor woman went through. Then she probably dealt with survivor's guilt as well, as many people often do. So anyways, she leaves her hiding place and she sees people on the nearby island. And thankfully, they're not too terribly far away from each other. And she wildly waves and she gets their attention. The police, they soon come afterwards and conduct an investigation. Lewis, he's nowhere to be found, but they did locate his abandoned boat in Newcastle. Later that same evening, he was found on board a train en route to Boston, but he was thankfully apprehended before he could make his getaway. Marin knew exactly who was responsible for the double murder and the attempt on her life, but besides her being able to identify the culprit, that being Lewis Wagner, of course, he had left behind some telling evidence. The bloody boot prints matched his to an absolute T. In his possession were several coins and one button. 
Marin, she immediately recognized this button as the one that she had retrieved from her own sewing kit and had given it to her sister. She recollects seeing Karen put this button into her little coin purse. So what was the button that was once located in the coin purse doing in Wagner's possession? And what the hell was Lewis doing with all those coins? Just before the breaking and entering and murdering, he was completely broke. He could not even afford to pay his own rent. Yet, all of a sudden, he has all these coins, all this money, and he's even able to afford to buy brand new clothing. And the final nail in the coffin, perhaps, was when John and his brother-in-law, Evan, had seen Lewis the afternoon before the heinous crime took place and Lewis kept asking John and Evan several times, are you guys returning that night or are you guys going to stay in town? He was wanting to know if the women were going to be left alone. That's fucking creepy, man. Now, right before Lewis Wagner's execution took place, Wagner would accuse his sole surviving victim, Marin, that in fact, she was the true killer, not him, and that everybody was going out of their way to frame him, that he was 100% a pure, innocent man. Something smells, my friends, and the stench, it's rancid. Louis Wagner is convicted March 6th of 1873, and he is hanged by the state of Maine in June of 1875. Many claim to hear the screams believed to be from the murdered women and the sad pleas and cries from Marin as she witnesses her sister and sister-in-law being brutally murdered and then barely escaping from the killer herself. Many, many apparitions, they roam these islands, the Isles of Shoals, including Louis Wagner and his victims. There's also a spirit known as Old Bab, and even a wife of Blackbeard's has been seen around these parts. While the murders on Smutty Nose Island was the main topic for today's episode, there are several other locations on these islands that are extremely haunted, and I just want to talk quickly about a few of those, so here we go. Star Island's Oceanic Hotel. Visitors have experienced hearing loud dragging sounds, like as if large pieces of furniture are being moved around, oftentimes coming from the attic, which is located on the fourth floor. But while people go to search and investigate, they are shocked to see the attic is completely empty. No furniture, no people, no creatures, nothing, zilch, zip, nada. Ray's Seafood Restaurant. It's said that a resident spirit at Ray's is still there, known as Goldie. Apparently, Goldie, she lived here in this building back in the 1960s with her sister Blanche. Now, she's a fun and a bit of a mischievous spirit. Perhaps a jokester is a better word for Goldie. She will enjoy making the phone ring on its own. She will turn the lights on and off. She will even open up windows, windows that the staff know for a fact were absolutely 100% guaranteed to be locked. Want to try to meet Goldie for yourself? 
go ahead, grab yourself a bite at this restaurant. You just might get what you wish for. However, however, (laughs) they are only open seasonally. So be sure to go during the warmer seasons before they close during the frigid cold one. Then we have the Chase House. It was originally built as a home for orphans. Now legend has it that a young girl hanged herself in the home and that some have seen her apparition walking throughout the house. When approached, she apparently screams and runs away, then vanishes before the person's very shocked eyes. Located in her old room, people claim to hear a girl screaming only to go in there and not see anybody or anything at all. Doors will open on their own, and staff know that they were locked. Lights will turn off and on by invisible forces, and ceiling fans go on as well. Meanwhile, at the Mark H. Wentworth House for the chronic invalid, try saying that ten times, (laughs) people hear disembodied footsteps while nobody else is around. And once again, we see locked things like doors opening all by themselves. This is the third location at least that I've talked about that it's locked and guess what? No, now it's open. So very interesting for sure. Items will move around and many get the dreadful feeling that someone or something is there with them when they are supposedly alone. The Wentworth house originally started off as a place for old folks and it was privately owned up until recent times, the 1990s. And it's still open to this very day, taking in patients. Now, for several years, staff and patients and visitors alike have been claiming to experience strange things that they just cannot explain. The final location I'm going to talk about is a spot that I found through New Hampshire Magazine. It talks about Oceanborn May House, and apparently it is home to one of New Hampshire's most famous hauntings. One fateful day in 1720, a pirate who is extremely on the notorious side named Don Pedro captures a ship known as the Wolf. Now this takes place right off the shore of Massachusetts. While on board the Wolf, he sees this newborn baby with the most eye-catching of red hair. The baby, it takes him off guard. While several things could have gone severely wrong that day, Pedro surprises everybody, including his own men and probably himself, as he asks for an exchange. No, he doesn't want the baby. That would have been my first thought, like, oh boy. He wants the baby who was born on that day to be named after his very own mother. He will leave right then and right there and spare every single life on that boat if the baby will bear his beloved late mother's name. And... That is what happens. The girl is named Oceanborn Mary Wallace. Well, fast forward several years. Mary is now a grown woman who has babies of her own. Life is good. She is enjoying motherhood. She is married to a man who she is deeply in love with. Well, sadly, this does not last too terribly long, and she soon finds herself a widow. And in a weird turn of events, you would think Hollywood made this shit up. It is said the pirate, whose mother Mary is named after tracks her down. Some may consider this stalking. Well, they end up falling in love and they get themselves hitched. Together as man and wife, they live in this mansion in Henniker and they remain quite content. And that changes one day when Mary walks into the home to find her husband lying on the floor. 
Mikey has been murdered. She finds herself widowed again. She lays him to rest under the home. And to be more exact, right under the large hearthstone that is located right in the kitchen. Mary herself passes away at the elderly and tender age of 94 in 1814. Since Mary's death, several people have seen the apparition of a tall woman with gorgeous head of red hair, often seen in the upstairs window of the mansion that she had lived in for so, so many years. Many have had the pleasure of feeling her presence. And they always say that she has this protective feeling to her, like she is looking over the people in the home. Perhaps she is on the protective side because she doesn't want to see the occupants meet a bloody end like her murdered husband, Captain Pedro. This is a private home and not open to the public, but you can go and visit Mary herself. She is buried at the Center Cemetery by Town Hall. This week's special city shoutouts go to St. John's, Canada, Midrand, South Africa, Fort Washington, Maryland, Riverview, Florida, Karagpur, India, and Stevensville, Michigan. As usual, everybody, thank you so much. It is greatly appreciated. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others. They are all phenomenal. Haven't heard every single one yet? Don't worry one bit. Just head on over to any of those spectacular podcast platforms, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Downcast, Pocket Cast. Basically, wherever you may roam to hear your other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers Podcast lurking in the background. Have a request for a topic that you would love to hear about sometime? Perhaps you want to be a voiceover for a future episode. Maybe you have a story of your very own to share. I would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out and find me on the Paranormal Prowlers Podcast Facebook page either by leaving a comment or sending a message. Thanks, everyone, and I will see you next week.